It is safe. It is scalable. One can measure it. And because we can measure it, we can manage it, control it, and make sure everyone is a part of the supply chain. And welcome to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. My Company Story is a podcast where I get to interview some of the most interesting business owners and CEOs about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Enjoy the show. So hi, I'm here today with John Yali. John is the CEO of JuiceBot, and JuiceBot is the first ever robotic juice vending machine. It's a food tech company that disrupts the distribution and the delivery in the beverage industry by enabling healthy beverages to be served from unattended self-service machines. John, welcome to My Company Story. John, thank you for having me. John, can you tell our audience in your own words about uh, JuiceBot? I mean, where you guys are based, how many employees, get an idea of the size, and then what really what your company is all about. We are based out of Los Angeles. Uh, there's 15 of us right now. And we are, like you said, are the first ever robotic juice vending machine. We uh, have been around for seven years. Uh, the first four years went into R&D, research and market development. And the last three years, we've been actively operating juice bot machines in Los Angeles. Fantastic. And how did you happen to get into this business seven years ago? Well, we, we've always wanted to create a convenient distribution system for fresh and healthy beverages. But we realized that, you know, that required combining unique food safety technologies and, you know, scalable hardware and software into a single platform. And in order for us to do that, we have to come up with the right product as well. So once we did the research, we realized that there was a lot of demand for cold pressed juice, you know, with no preservatives, no additives. And people, as long as they are provided with access to this product, they would actually prefer it compared to other beverages uh, because it's healthy. Uh, right, it's a much healthier alternative than a, a can of soda. Absolutely. Today's world, I mean, anyone is gonna choose a, a something healthy as opposed to something that's gonna hurt you in the long run. So it's a great right, sure. demand for that. And am I correct in saying that there are very few competitors doing this right now? Yeah, there are actually very few competitors. I think all in all, there's, there are five companies, including us, that are working on that. We are the first one to hit the market which provides a certain range of products with a, with, a, with a device that's connected and that is also remotely monitored. So the competition is there. Everyone is working on creating a better product. Uh, but for the, for the North American market, we're the first. Uh, and I, I think also globally, we're the first to deploy a device. Yes, congratulations. That's wonderful. And John, where will the audience be able to find the jute box? I mean, the juice spot. Where are they located now? Where, where do you find them? So pre-COVID, our main locations were corporate cafes, uh, gyms, and you know shopping malls and retail stores. Uh, but obviously, life has changed. So now we're focusing more on apartment complexes, you know, residential buildings, which is where the people are. So Juice Spot is all about convenience. It is about getting the product to the customer, and whenever the customer feels like they should be getting a healthy cup of fresh juice. They should have access to it. So that's why we are pivoting our location strategy to residential buildings and to, gro to grocery stores, public locations as well. Wow. So you were going along just fine for years, having these in office locations and in uh, corporate cafes and where people were at the middle of the day and they needed a fresh cup of juice to pick them up and all that. All of a sudden, boom, the whole world shuts down. And you're like, wait a minute, these things aren't working anymore in these locations. What are you going to do? So you decided to go put the machines where people are, which are these large apartment buildings and 
and complexes like that. Is that the correct, what you did uh, back in March? That is correct. So, I mean, it took us a, a, a little time to figure out what we had to do and how we had to do it because, you know, the, the customers were not there. The, the partners, the merchants were not there. Giants closed down and they had no idea for how long. And it was absolute silence for a while, at least for a couple of months. So instead of, you know, trying to, I mean, instead of shutting down, instead of playing dead, as, as one of our partners would say, we decided to, you know, find where our consumers are. And then we realized that, you know, most of them are home. Uh, some of them are out shopping for groceries. Very few are out and about in public locations. So we said, well, well, we'll just take these machines to them. And that's how we decided to pivot. That's how you put them into the apartment buildings and where they're living yeah. because people are working from home now and they may stretch their legs, go take the dog for a walk and have a nice healthy uh, drink uh, when they're outside. So that makes a lot of sense. John, where do you see the industry going in the next three to five years? I know we were talking earlier about one of the things you saw was that you're, you came up from a group meeting that said, someone said, look, people don't like to touch our machines because people are so scared to actually touch anything in public these days. So what have you done about that? And then where do you see the future going for uh, this industry? Um, we see the automation on the rise. The restaurant business, the food and beverage business, the FMCG business, customers will ask for more convenience. Uh, not only convenience, also for food safety, for their own personal health safety as well. So uh, we think more products like JuiceBot, more channels like JuiceBot will be available to, to consumers. It will be more about self-service kiosks, vending machines. It will be more about getting the product to the customer and let them pick it up, let them buy it, rent it, lease it when they feel like they need to. I see. Um, so we think the industry is, is going to be moving more towards automation, which is good. It is safe. It is scalable. One can measure it. And because we can measure it, we can manage it and control it and make sure everyone who's a part of the supply chain from the product to the consumer is safe and accounted for. So John, is your customer then the company that puts it, or the apartment owner, uh, manager that puts it in their apartment building or the gym owner that puts it in their gym, is that your customer? And then their customer is the person coming in and buying the juice? Is that the chain and how that works? Exactly. We have a B2B2C business model where we partner with the merchant. In this case, it could be the gym owner or the operator, or it could be the residential, you know, the, the building facility company. And we partner with them and we use their locations, we deploy the devices, and then we get into to a long-term partnership where they make sure their residents and their consumers and their customers are getting served uh, with a good quality of product. And then we make sure that you know it's, it's well-maintained, it's supported, and it's at the right price point for that specific location. That makes sense. Now, John, tell us, what are the, some of the technical challenges that you must have had? I mean, traditionally, a vending machine is a, a can of Coke sitting in a machine could sit there for months or years, and it's fine when you put a couple of quarters in, you get your can of Coke, it's what you expect. But a whole different challenge, I imagine, for a fresh vending machine like you're doing. What were some of those challenges that you faced uh, when you first started off? Well, I mean, when you're building a product for the first time, there's nothing that you could be inspired by. 
So, I mean, if, if this was a normal vending machine, we could just go and take a look at those and then, you know, just help us with the creative aspect of the business. But we had to do everything from scratch, which was good. But technical performance was very challenging for us. Because it was being built for the first time, we had to come up with our own performance, uh, performance indicators, ranging from, you know, making sure that the, the, the device is refrigerated at all times at a certain degree, or making sure the device was maintained every so often, and then everything that was done is logged on our system so we can keep up with our own support maintenance metrics. So when you do any, when you do everything from the beginning and when you're the first one that is doing it, it is a little more challenging getting to where you are. Technically, you're setting the limit yourself, but you need to go that extra mile, make sure it's perfectly safe for the consumer, for your employees who are supporting, maintaining those devices, for your management, making sure the business is gonna pick up and it's gonna be scalable. So technical really took time to achieve, but because we spent so much time on the R&D and testing, uh, eventually we got to where we are. Yeah, uh, because, so. yeah because, I mean, because you are the forefront and the leader in your industry, there must've been an awful lot of R&D time that had to be spent in there before you could actually have a product that would be safe enough to go to market and reliable enough to go to market out there. and so that all of that R&D cost has to be recouped. And by being the leader in the industry, hopefully now you're able to then recoup that cost, hopefully very soon, and in different markets and different channels that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the most important part is, is, is building, a, building a system, not only a machine, but like a business model, a supply chain that is scalable. So, of course, technology has a lot to do with it. It helps you maintain and support that system. It helps you grow that, that system as well. But, but we really had to create all these models that didn't exist before Juicebot. And that's, that took a lot of expertise, a lot of time. From, from the finance aspect of it, all the way to the technical support maintenance aspect of it. We, but you know, eventually we realized that you know the more effort we put in, APK, the technical performance and technical uptime kept increasing and increasing. And then eventually it, it, it's gotten us where uh, where we are right now, which will allow us to scale the business and and get more devices on the field. Have you had to? Uh... I know in traditional startup firms, and you've been around for seven years, but I know the first three, four years are all R&D. So it's costing a lot of money with no money coming in the door. You had investors, I imagine, that put money into the business. When COVID hit, did you have to go back to investors or were you able to get government money? Or how were you able to maintain your staff of 15 people through those times when all of a sudden now it's just derailed and you got to go back to the drawing board, so to speak? So... We, I mean, the first thing that we did was we reached out to our investors and told them the situation, told them about the situation, you know, office, office space is not there anymore. Uh, retail locations are being shut down indefinitely. No one knows when they're going to come back and people are not leaving their homes. So we've told them that uh, we needed additional funding to continue the operations so we can figure out what, what needs to be done. And I think that was the case with the entire tech startup community, you know, everyone is losing revenue, customers instantly. Uh, and, and you can, you know, when you're a startup, especially you're a tech startup, you can very quickly feel the effects of those funds drying up. But, you know, our investors listened to us and they, they've supported us through this process, you know, financially and technically and, you know, business-wise in, in, in every way that was possible to be supported by investors. So we realized that once you are 
open and transparent about your expect about the expectations that will be met or that will not be met. You know, how with the difficulties that you're dealing with as a tech startup, most times you will get attention and most times, you know, you'll get support from the places that you least expect. Yeah, I bet, and I bet your employees were very worried too. I mean, they're you know they're reading what's going on in the news, and they're seeing the look on your face when you come in the office. I mean, how did you deal with the tension and the anxiety that would have been around the fact that okay, now our market has slipped out from under us, guys, and we've got to do something different? Did how are you able to assure your employees that they'll be okay and we'll be okay? Well, we we realized that you know keeping a clear channel of communication was the most important thing that we learned from all of this. Uh, once we included them in the process and once we told them about what was happening, that you know we're losing customers, they, they know, they, they are feeling, they're seeing, they're, they're witnessing it with us. But uh, telling them how we're going to fix it, what kind of ideas we have, also asking for their opinion, for their support and commitment and contribution, that helped a lot. And, you know, when you have the support of people that are making this company work, we realized that we were getting there faster. So just talking to our team, telling them what's happening day by day, what is difficult, what we can resolve, what needs to be postponed, really helped us deal with this process. And John, what about you? I mean, there are most of the audience listening to this show are other entrepreneurs and people running companies like yours. And everyone was dumbfounded in March and uh, when, when this whole hit thing hit and, and changes going on in every industry. How did you get through it? I mean, what, you must have gone in the anxiety. You're, I'm sure you had some very sleepless nights <laughs> now, yeah, going forward. I, I mean, I how did you get through those things? What did you... Do you have a great supporting spouse, uh, mentors, or advisory board, or great employees on great investors, it sounds like, but what else got you through all of that? Well, we, we do have a great advisory board. You know, industry leaders, tremendous amount of experience. So they've, they've been a, they've been a lot of, they've been supporting us through these times. But like what you said, when you're leaving a company, most people are looking up to, uh, to, to one person for the answers. It does affect your your way of thinking, and then and then you realize that you know you you do need you are the person that needs to come up with the answers, but you don't have to do it by yourself. Um, you have your partners, you have your executive board, you have your advisory board, uh, you have your team that you work with, your colleagues, and you have your friends and family that you can rely on. So there's a lot. There are a lot of people out there willing to help as long as you open up to them and you tell them what you're dealing with. And I've, you know, I've realized that, you know, communicating with all these people, uh, with all these stakeholders, you know, whether it's it's a customer or whether it's 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 a vendor or employee, friend, family member, has helped me deal with the effects of this tremendously. So I do recommend people um, to. It is not, it's not easy what, what's happening right now to all of us, to the tech community, to the startup community, to entrepreneurs and CEOs and everyone really. But the more you talk to your close circle about your issues and problems, you will find the answers from the least expected people. But you just have to realize that you cannot deal with this by yourself. So tell me more about that. I mean, give me an example if you can of that in your yeah. case. Uh, well, I mean, in our case, uh, again, going back to Juicebot, one, one of the feedback that we, um, that we got from the field, when people 
when our support team was, was on the field maintaining the devices, they, they, they started talking to customers. And apparently the customers said something close to, we don't want to touch the machines. We don't know if we're going to be, you know, if there's any kind of an infection on them. We don't want to be infected. We don't want to get it from the machine. Apparently there were a couple of articles that came out that the machines are, you know, are not safe or are they safe? No one knows. So, and then they came back to us and they said, look, you know, we've heard from a couple of customers. People are worried that they don't want to touch the machine. We need to figure out something so people can buy without touching the machine. And the technical guys were there and we started talking and then we realized that we didn't do too many workshops with the support maintenance team and the technical team and the management and everyone. So we started just throwing ideas around and then eventually we came up with the idea of touchless vending where you can just use your phone and, and, and you know, pick whatever juice you like from the menu and actually get it without touching the device anywhere on the actual surface of the device that is not sanitized at all. So people liked that idea and then they started working on it. But now we have that feature available and we'll be rolling it out very soon. So we just talked. We just listened to each other and then we just let people contribute as much as they can. And yeah, then that, it, it eventually resolved the problem. Yep, yeah, that's, a, that's a great takeaway, John. I think listen to your people. Don't assume or pretend like you have all the answers. You don't. I mean, yeah. listen to your customers, listen to your employees, listen to the smart people that you surround yourself with. And then your job is really to make the decision ultimately based on all this information and all the what you're hearing and making the, the strategic decision of which way to go and your team will follow that. Is that that's what I hear you saying? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's you're fantastic. Right. Well, John, if uh, anyone wanted to get a hold of you, I know we're going to put some note in the show notes. We'll put your contact information in there. But what's the best way to reach out to you if anyone wanted to? LinkedIn and all our social media channels are pretty active. So Juicebot Official is our uh, social media handle. And if you guys search for Juicebot, you'll see us on LinkedIn as well. We do listen to a lot of inquiries from the customers, from the vendors, from the partners. So if anyone has any ideas with regards to the product or any comments regarding what we do and how we do it, please do feel free to reach out through Juicebot Official on social media or Juicebot on LinkedIn. And someone will get back to you very, very quickly. Great. And I might add also, when we get back to going to our gyms and working out again, go talk to your gym manager and say, you know what, I wish we had a jute box in here. And then uh, they'll contact you and we'll put one in the gyms. Absolutely. Absolutely. That We are very, we're looking forward to getting back to the gym community and we will just keep innovating and making a better product. Very good. Well, John, it's been great talking to you today. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me, John. Thank you. All right. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to My Company Story. We have new episodes coming out every week, so please subscribe if you like this. And if you'd like to hear previous episodes, you can go to mycompanystory.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you or someone you know would be interested in coming on the show, please email me at don at Thanks for listening. <laughs>